1: this is Tracy L. Slatten hosting Independent Artists and Thinkers. I am so happy to welcome you to the show. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We had a few Mercury retrograde issues connecting with my guest, but I think she's on. I am grateful and humbled that so many people are listening to the show, both live and in the archives, and um, also in the iTunes podcast channel. So thanks for tuning in. I created this show to support those brave souls who are operating outside the structures of the big established corporations. As the intro to the the show says, I intend to illuminate the unusual journey and to bring it to you. I'm interested in alternatives to conventional thinking and conventional answers. I'm interested in creativity, fresh ideas, unusual perspectives, and originality. And this show aims to bring you models of people who embody those qualities. Please do call in with questions or comments to 516-453-6052. You can also live chat me at blogtalkradio.com slash thinkers, and I am on now, so tune in, chat with me. In the coming weeks, some fascinating guests are coming on. Next week on Thursday, October 15th, fighting champion Agi Topic will talk about Mai Thai fighting, being a Bosnian Serb and fleeing the war, becoming an American, and living and training in Thailand. On Thursday, October 22nd, novelist L.V. Lewis will talk about keeping up the steam in interracial romances. Realist painter Graydon Parrish from Austin, Texas will be on, but we don't yet have the specific date, I think, in December. Um, FYI, Austin, Texas is known as the Upper West Side of Texas with the tip of the hat to stew. So tune in and keep checking the website, Independent Artist Thinkers, and the Blog Talk Radio page to find out who will be on the show. I am so delighted and honored to have author and regression therapist Dr. Linda Bachman on today to talk about the soul's evolution. And I'm just going to check in and make sure she's on the line. Linda, are you there? I am here, Tracy. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you on. Thank you. So I'm going to read your bio and then we'll start talking, okay? That's great. Dr. Linda Bachman, psychologist and regression therapist, has been in private practice for more than 35 years. Dr. Bachman guides individuals in soul regression hypnotherapy to access their past and between lives. In this way, she assists people to more fully recognize who they are as a soul throughout repetitive lifetimes and during the time we are not incarnate, as well as in discovering their soul intention for this life. Linda's focus includes guiding regression clients as well as speaking, writing, presenting, and training others in soul regression hypnotherapy. is deeply focused on an evolving universal understanding and awareness of the path of soul development that leads to the acceptance of oneness and unity of all people and cultures of the world. In 1997, Dr. Bachman and her husband Dr. Earl Bachman established the Ravenheart Center, and that's www.ravenheartcenter.com and it's spelled C-E-N-T-E-R the American way, not the British way, in Boulder, Colorado, dedicated to bringing to guiding individuals to discover their soul path. Dr. Bachman is the author of Bringing Your Soul to Light. Um, which is published by Llewellyn in 2009, and The Evolving Soul, published in 2014. You can see more about Linda at ravenheartcenter.com. And Linda, welcome and thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. Sorry for who knows
0: whether it was Mercury Retrograde. I had the time wrong, but I am here and I'm thrilled to be with
1: you. Well, thank you. And before we begin and... Uh, you know, I ask a lot of questions about your own journey and what your message is. And my purpose in this radio program is really to support people who, the guests who come on. But before we begin, I want to tell the listeners that I had a between live soul regression with you and that it was a life changing experience. I learned things about myself that made sense of my entire life. And I also want to encourage listeners to get your beautiful book, The Evolving Soul. I read it and learned from it and I enjoyed it thoroughly. So. I just put that out there that you're amazing at what you do.
0: Well, I love what I do, and I think that, you know, when we do work in our life, and especially when we're not, you know, Super young people it 's like the work that we do has to feel purposeful and we have to have passion for it and that 's definitely how I feel so it's It's wonderful to have met you and worked with you and um i'm excited to to share today what um i've gathered over a number of years
1: well tell us um first tell us how you got started how did you begin your journey? And what has it taken for you to arrive at the place where you are currently? What training did you have? And when did you know you were going to be involved in spiritual therapy and past life regressions and spiritual mentoring? Was spirituality a major presence in your home when you were growing up? What did you think you would be? So start early and lead up till now. (laughs) Okay, good. All right,
0: start early. Well, let's see. I, I think that basically spiritual people, those of us who are very fascinated, interested in understanding, you know, who are we really? Um, Not just who are we from the perspective of that we live a life, but who are we lifetime to lifetime? Why are we in body? Why are we here? What's our purpose? Um, I think we come in two flavors, Spiritual people come in two flavors. One flavor is those people um, who have really been focused on spirituality their whole life. You know, I I work with clients at times who will say to me, um, I was talking to my guides as far back in my life as I can remember. I I knew there was something more. Um, I, I knew that some of the basic, you know, sort of dogmatic beliefs that I was being taught didn't fit. I am the opposite flavor, um, and it doesn 't matter what flavor you are. we are who we are but i 'm the flavor of someone who did not discover spirituality until about twenty two years ago when I was in my middle forties so basically what happened um, i 'll say that I grew up in a a fairly dogmatic um, household. I was raised in a in a Jewish household with you know what you might think of as traditional American um, Um, judaic teachings but nothing that tied in with mystical beliefs or things that we would call kabbalah and and that sort of thing i went along my merry way got married fairly young i am still just wonderfully married to my life partner who's my husband who you mentioned um uh, we have children we have grandchildren um, in the early 90s, I was in general private practice as a psychologist, doing what you would imagine um, a psychologist does, working with all kinds of issues from couples issues to depression to chronic pain and those kinds of things. Um, a piece of me, though, that goes back into the 70s is that um, through the premature birth and death of um, uh, Earls of My Second Child, I discovered that a lot of people didn't understand the grief process. So mm-hmm. from the early 70s on, I was passionate and interested in supporting people in grief. I did hospice work as well. And so I wasn't spiritually oriented per se, but, but I was very much into grief work and, and, and that type of thing. Then in the early 90s, I'm um, in my 40s, I'm in group with psychologists and psychiatrists in our group, and my original psychologist partner um, is diagnosed with a very serious type of lung cancer in 1991, uh-huh. and in '93, at the age of 32 years old, the disease takes his life. Uh-huh. And basically, I mean, obviously that was a very difficult process to, to watch, um, certainly very hard for his family, his wife, his daughter, and those of us who knew him well. And what happened is, literally within about 24 hours of his passing, I began to have spiritual experiences that I'd never had before. Um, And very specifically, but briefly, I started sensing his his soul presence. I started just knowing, intuitively knowing, that he was present with me, that he was giving me input about even things, as strange as this may seem, um, uh, things that needed to be handled in our office. But I knew he was with me. I didn't know how that worked. I didn't quite know why. And I also started getting a sense, intuitively, of scenes of past lives that he and I had shared. Now, prior to this, I wasn't a believer in reincarnation. So this all started happening, and I turned to my husband, who knew my colleague well, and I told my husband, Earl, what was going on. And I really said to Earl, don't you think this is crazy? And Earl looked at me calmly and said, no, I don't think it's crazy. And I said, why not? And he said, here's why. He said, I must have repressed what happened to me as a boy because I only am recalling now that as a boy when I grew up, I remembered my past lives spontaneously, Earl said. And he said, I knew they were past lives. I specifically knew I had a life as a man in India. I don't know how I knew all that, but I never told anybody because I thought they'd think I was crazy. So mm-hmm. Earl said, let's go learn more about that. And 22 years later, it is my life's work to guide clients, to write, to train people to guide regression and to understand why are we here, how did we plan our life, what's our purpose, and so on and so forth. So long, long-winded answer, Tracy, to your question.
1: <laughs> no, that's a wonderful answer, I think, tell me if you agree or if you have other thoughts on it, but I think that a lot of times children are kind of shut down in our culture when they remember other lifetimes. Yes,
0: I think that, that in some households and perhaps in more households than not, you know, children will say all kinds of things. Well, here I'll give you I'll give you a quick example. I think I can share this. Um, this is a statement from Ashley Earls and my um, oldest grandchild. He's ten now. He was probably about six, maybe seven. Um, we, 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 he was in the car driving with Earl and I one afternoon, and he asked Earl. He knows that we travel a fair amount for our work, and he asked us where we were going on our next trip. And I said, well, actually, we're going somewhere we've never been before. We're going to India. And he said, oh, okay. And I said to him, do you know where that is? And he said, well, sort of, but when we get to my house, will you you know, point it out to me on my globe in my bedroom? And I said, of course. So then he was quiet a little while longer, and he said, um, do they make rugs in India? And I said, well, actually, yes, they're quite well-known, and they make beautiful, um, hand-woven, I said, they call them carpets. And he Mm -hmm. said, oh, okay. Well, then he was silent for just a little while longer, and then he said, "Um, I think I know about those rugs. And I said, oh, well, what, and trying not to push him, I said, well, what do you mean? Well, well, I think I know about the designs of those rugs. Now, this is a six- or seven-year-old child who Mm -hmm. doesn't, consciously, you know, he hasn't been exposed to to these things. And, and, and then he said, I know about the designs. And, and I said, how do you know? And he said, I don't know how I know. And then he just said, will you take pictures? But I think I know about those designs. Well, my hunch, Tracy, is that our grandson has, I'm actually fairly sure now after kind of focusing, you know, more deeply on it since then, mm-hmm. three or four years later, that He's had lives in India, and that's that's how he knows about those rugs. But you know, for us, that's I cool. just said, "Oh, tell tell me more." Blah blah blah. Um, in many families, it's scary, and um, people will say, "Oh, oh," without you know that doesn't
1: make any sense, and they'll go on to a different conversation. Yeah, that's that's cool. That and it's interesting. It came up in your own family, so clearly, you know, it's, it's such an interesting way. So, what led you to focus on between lives, the between lives time, as opposed to past life time? Because I, you know, having worked with you, we used a, we you regressed me back into a past life, and then we used that to kind of surf right into that between life space. So, what led you to focus on that?
0: And I I like your term "surf ride." That's great. That's great. Um, Well, uh, I'll first say that I think past. Life discovery is just as important as between lives so i 'll kind of answer that in in a couple of ways um, for some clients um, they start off and or they only want a past life regression, and for others they they want the we might say the the full package that you 're describing um, Tracy so why do we first why do we uncover past lives because our soul is intended to evolve lifetime to lifetime to lifetime it's kind of like going to school it's like you know in most states certainly in the united states i think most of the time children are required to be educated until about the age of 16 well as a soul we are reto- we are essentially required to grow and to gain wisdom and and progress and evolve as a soul we choose how fast or how slow we have some lives in our past that are what we might call karmic, where bottom line is that there's something we didn't accomplish you know, sufficiently, some learning that wasn't complete or some event that happened that was complicated that we didn't uh, embrace and release. So that's karma. We also have dharmic lives. We have lives where we've accomplished something Uh, but we don't give ourselves credit for having accomplished it, like being um, a capable and happy working person, like being a capable life partner or a capable parent or something like that. So when I guide the client to a past life, essentially the spiritual guides and the higher self or the soul self of the client Select or choose the past life that they are going to discover, again, for the sake of either karmic cleanup, we might say, or Mm -hmm. healing, and or for the sake of dharma, accepting something we have done that we don't believe we can do. But then going all the way to the end of the past life and into the time between lives or working, another way to put that, is working at the soul level of the client it's just it, it it's sort of like the bigger picture of who the client is as a soul. So when the client goes into the spiritual realm at the ending of a past life, they get to discover again what their guides want them to discover. But examples would be for what reason did I plan my current life and, you know, how did I plan it mm-hmm. and why? For what mm-hmm. reason do I have this soul as a mother? This soul as a child? for what reason am i am i going through this challenge what does that mean um you know what was my life plan um why do i why do i have anxiety surrounding you know x and guides will come in as you know Tracy the guides of the client will come in during the period of time and be, the between lives and mm-hmm. guides will work with the client and help them to understand Why they're here now, what they're experiencing, and how to continue evolving.
1: And but what about that drew you?
0: Well, I think there's probably two answers to that question. I first learned how to guide past life regression and be minimal, minimally began to use it in my practice. Then I studied and learned how to guide between-lives regression. And slowly but surely with my clients, my whole practice started shifting. Um, and I, I now do only soul-based work, whether it's regression or counseling. I think the, the, the simple answer is that when I discovered past-life and between-lives regression work, I I honestly felt like I'd sort of slid into home base, and what I mean by that is that I'd slid into that place where I felt like I was meant to get to in terms of the type of work that I do, because it just felt like the regression work completely resonated with me and felt like it was, you know, to use an overused French term, it was my raison d'etre or sort of reason for being in body, at least in terms of my of my life's work.
1: And was there a specific moment when the light bulb went on over your head? Were you with a client? Was it one of your own between-life soul regressions that you were doing for yourself? Was there just a specific moment when you said, this is it? or was it a more gradual coming to realization
0: you know it's funny i I'd, I'd almost say yes and yes but um there is a, a specific moment that that i easily recall that i think really helped solidify uh, i'll say because i think this is important for the listeners i was a complete skeptic in the beginning i i was very skeptical i'm a very kind of left-brained black and white, maybe not so much anymore, but I was a very linear-minded person um, and had trouble believing that this type of tool would work with clients, and slowly but surely it began to work. But I remember clearly... um, the day that I was taking, um, or, or the one day during taking training to guide between lives regression, and um, after after we learned uh, how to guide it, then the trainees pair up with each other and they regress each other, and and so I um, I just finished being regressed by my you know fellow trainee partner. Mm-hmm. And she had guided me to a, a past life, which I already knew a little bit about, but I was about to discover um, a whole lot more. I, I she regressed me actually to a past life during the time of the Holocaust, um, mm-hmm. which I know that probably creates a shudder for for some who are who are listening. Um, the charge about that life is gone for me now because that is how it works. I worked through what happened. But bottom line, a piece of the of the past life for me during the Holocaust, and I'm going to back up and, and add in a childhood experience because I think this is useful for your listeners. So when I was a child about, I don't know, 12 or so, my parents... Um, took me to a movie. There was a movie that came out, obviously, years ago in the late 50s called um, Trials at Nuremberg. And it Mm -hmm. was the first movie with actual footage of um, the piles of bodies and all the horrific um, details of the Holocaust. And, you know, during that movie, when I was 12 or so, I had the most horrendous stomach ache. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I didn't know why I felt so poorly. And we left in the middle of the movie. So then fast forward years later, I discover um, that I have this Holocaust past life. And so what came up this day during the training um, was that um, I, I saw myself um de- you know scene by scene detail by detail um being taken to a camp being taken to a camp with only one family member i i lost the rest of my family i n- never learned what happened to my family um, uh-huh. but i went to the i went to the camp with an uncle his uncle was my favorite uncle we were taken to the camp together and in a later scene in the camp my uncle is dying and I'm doing very simplistic work in an infirmary. And I hold my uncle in the infirmary until he takes his last breath. And when that occurs, then the practice, the, the fellow trainee um, says to me, it's a common question during a regression, um, Linda, do you recognize the soul of your uncle? Do you mm-hmm. happen to recognize this uncle as anyone in life today, and instantaneously, I said to my, I, I said out loud to the to the regression um, trainee, I said, "Oh yes, this is you know this is my cousin, and I'll leave just names out to keep my cousin's name <laughs> confidential. Um, but this is my cousin so and so, um, and th- this is a cousin that I have been close to my entire life. It's a first cousin. So anyway, I finished the regression." Um, the The training is happening in a hotel. I'm walking back down the hallway to my own room, and all of a sudden there was there, there was like this piece. It's like you know, square peg and square hole. I said, "Oh my gosh!" So in current life, this this cousin who's the Holocaust uncle in current life, this cousin's father who was my favorite uncle in my current life. He has a serious heart attack one evening when I'm about the same age as I was when the uncle in the past life died.
1: Mm-hmm. We're
0: called to the home of my aunt and uncle. I watch my uncle die that night. I'm almost the exact same age, and the uncle that dies that night. It's a very confusing story. the The uncle's son is the soul of the first cousin that's the Holocaust uncle. And I said to myself, there's no way I could have made up all those interconnections. So that was like lights turning on. It's like, oh, lives are intertwined. There is, you know, a tapestry, you might say, Mm -hmm. um, of our past life and our current life. So that was very clear for me. It's like there has to be something real to this.
1: Well, Well, there's a wonderful book by a rabbi called Yonasen Gershom, Beyond the Ashes, Cases of Reincarnation from the Holocaust. And I love this book because he started out, like you, as a skeptic, and his parishioners were coming to him saying, I have these memories. And most of the memories were not kind of the Hollywood version of the Holocaust, but were specific, detailed, and little-known things. And so he began to believe, I think he was an Orthodox rabbi, Um, if I'm correct, but he began to believe in reincarnation because this was happening to him.
0: Yes, I I actually know he has a couple of books. He's one of the most um, well-published researchers. There's one other researcher in the world who has done a lot of regression work with clients into the time of the Holocaust. and I'll just add again for the listeners, that lots of people have had lives during World War II and the Holocaust. They're not people necessarily um, Jewish in this current life. And um, his work is fascinating. And one of the fascinating pieces that's been uncovered about Holocaust and World War II past lives is that most of the time, as souls, those of us who were involved in that era of time um, we died and then we came back into body very, very quickly. That, uh, for, for example, in my Holocaust past life, I suspect I died in about 1942 or so, and I was born in my current body in 1946. So we came back very quickly, I think, to keep evolving and and, and, and doing what we could to move
1: the planet forward. Well, I personally sat out World War II because I'd had enough of war with World War I. But my (laughs) husband, who is, I guess, 25% Jewish on his dad's side and um, was Italian, his Italian family, his mother's Italian, and they were forcibly converted, I think, in the 17th or 18th century from Judaism. So um, the big secret in his mother's family was that they were Jews originally. But he has clear memories, even from the earliest time that he and I got together, before I had been able to kind of open his mind to spiritual stuff, but he remembered clearly, uh, from a man whose whole focus in life is his art and has nothing to do with spiritual, well, he's more spiritual now because I've been working on him for all these years, but originally <laughs> yeah. he was he remembered being an intellectual, wearing a long black coat. And he was some sort of very intellectual Jewish man, and his... The Nazis came into his village, rounded everyone up, and he was shot. And yeah. there are movies he cannot watch because the resonance is so powerful for him, and he goes right back to that moment of being shot. I mean, there, he's, there's just like uh, the Steven Spielberg movie he wouldn't watch yeah. because um, Schindler's List. He would never watch it. He's like, I'm not going to watch it. I was there. I, no way. Uh, so, I don't know. It's interesting.
0: I think that's the way it works. I, I feel like I've worked through a lot of my feelings, but the one thing that still sticks for me um, is, is dogs. And if I come upon a fairly large dog, certainly, of course, a German Shepherd, but that is barking and barking and barking and barking, I still am fearful. Um, and I'm convinced that comes from the scene of dogs, you know, barking and and moving, moving the Holocaust victims onto trains and into camps and 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 that sort of thing. So, yeah, you know, and I think it's a it's a it's a useful commentary, Tracy. That well regression. So then again, listeners might say, "Well, why would I want to go re-experience all that trauma?" You know, Tracy's husband has these reactions, won't watch certain movies. Linda has fears about large dogs, especially German shepherds. Um, First of all, for me, I'm not completely debilitated by being around um, a large and and barking dog. But the bottom line is that the more we understand and let go of that, you might say, challenge or trauma, The more we evolve and the more we step into living our life today um, based on the soul intentions that we agreed to because our goal is to evolve as a soul, as I've already said, and our goal is to affect change on the planet, each in our own way. So the more we understand and release what's happened before that, that needs to be released or needs to be embraced, um, the more evolution
1: occurs, and that's really the point. Well, there's a kind of catharsis and release when you remember these scenes in a past life regression. or Totally. I think just walking around um, somehow Sabin's kind of stuck. I just want to say my neighbor across the hall who died very recently at 90. His name is Frederick Morton. was a famous scholar of the Holocaust because his father had been imprisoned on Kristallnacht in Vienna in Dachau. And till <coughs> the day he died, my neighbor Fred, you know, had a terror of dogs because the Nazis used dogs and the dogs came their house when his dad was taken away to Dachau fortunately his father was released um, so I think your memories like even in this little detail your memory of your past life is extre- extremely accurate so now i yes, want to ask you go ahead. go ahead go ahead well I was going to ask two questions and let you do what you want with them one is what motivated you to write your beautiful book the evolving soul and the other one is the soul being required to evolve and what are the markers of soul evolution.
0: Mm, okay, good questions, Tracy. Okay. Um well, what motivated me to write um and I you know, I have two books, Bringing Your Soul to Light book number 1, The Evolving Soul book number 2. Um in simple terms, what led me to write books um is because I feel like, you know, many people may have a regression, but And that's great, because I think that's extremely useful, or I obviously wouldn't guide regression. But a lot of people may simply um, want to read a book. And both of my books are filled with client material. They're filled with what clients tell me. And in many ways, I like to let the clients write the book, because it's the client um, and literal detail. And I don't, I don't, Change. I actually am not even allowed legally by the publisher. Um, the quotes from clients have to be exactly direct, and um, I have to get signed permission from each client. Even though you know it, it, there's a fictitious name per client, but um, I I feel like that's how people learn and understand. Oh, why have I had? Um, you know, wh- wh- why might I have always had this? Fear of uh you know going on a cruise, why might I have this fear? It makes no sense to me um to be in a ship in the middle of the ocean, or this fear of a health issue um or this disconnect with uh, a person in my life um or 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 so what writing books is an easy way to help other people understand that we are a soul that evolves and um it feels like the way that i meant to give back in you know in this life so that, that's you know in simple terms that's that's why i write books and you know i have to say i'm going to tell just a very quick short story because sometimes people come to me and they'll say well linda you know how did you get your books published and do, do you have an agent and you know uh, all of that and the truth is um i have i have worked with agents but i don't have an agent um right now and book number 1 i started writing And it was maybe a third of the way done. And then I got all hung up on do I need an agent and how do I find a publisher and all of that. And I got on the phone with a couple of dear friends whose names I will leave out, but they're both very well-published spiritual authors whose names would be familiar to a lot of people who've read spiritual books. And I asked these two lovely women, um, you know, don't I need an agent? How do I find a publisher? And both of them, separate from one another, said, Linda, would you just keep writing the book and worry about that later? So I did keep writing the book. And maybe six months after that, and I believe this is how our guides work when we're committed to something. Six months after that, one morning, on my email was an email from a reputable publisher um, and the publisher said, I found your website, I really am interested in the work that you do. Have you considered writing a book? So ah. I always have to Yeah, I always have to chuckle because it's like be careful what you wish for. Um that's how it happened. Um then to come to your second question, are there markers um as we progress as a soul? Um yes at times I think would be my favorite way of, of putting it. Um one marker would be that you look at your life and you say to yourself, "What can I do in life to be of service? What in my life, um, work-related, you know, non-work-related, whatever it might be, what can I do to be of service and to assist humanity um, to shift and, and, and grow and evolve?" So that you know that that 's a marker um, another way of putting that would be to not be concerned about receiving and only be concerned about giving, not giving to the point that you deplete yourself but 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 giving nonetheless to to look at to look at life from the bigger picture um and attach ourselves to what do i love in life that is my passion so another quick story um is that in uh, in the late 90s in about 1997 um my husband had been a university professor and administrator for nearly 30 years and i was you know as i've said a psychologist in private practice my work life was very much shifting into spirituality um And I said to Earl one day, my husband Earl one day, I said, you know, I think we need to move. And he said, oh, okay, where do you want to move to? I I basically told him where I thought, you know, it would be useful for us to move. So the bottom line was I was getting the intuitive guidance from my guides that we needed to shift our lives. And I, I think this is another marker, and it's just a marker of trust. And not that I advocate what we did for everybody because it doesn't fit for everybody. But essentially, um, you know, Earl was, if p- people who know this terminology, Earl was a tenured full professor. That means you have a job for life if that's what you want to do, unless you rob a bank or do something, mm-hmm. you know, cr- criminal. Um, Earl had a job for life, and I had a full psychology practice. Um But at the same time, we were ready to move to somewhere that felt a little bit more supportive of um, spiritual work. And um, (laughs) so we moved without jobs. We've never looked back. Um, It was exactly what we needed to do. Sometimes those are signs of advancing, um, that there's some change you need to make in your life. Maybe some people think it isn't logical, and I'm not recommending that people do silly foolish you know crazy kinds of things um but but again to bring it back around
1: to be of service is probably the best answer and so you moved that's when you moved to boulder and then eventually started the Ravenheart center
0: that's correct, actually moved to Boulder, and very quickly after that began um the Raven Heart Center. Sometimes people um ask me where does the name Ravenheart Center come from and uh, the easiest answer to that is after my colleague passed and I was receiving these intuitive hits and intuitive pieces of information being a skeptic i needed validation so i went to visit um a medium a channel It's something i'd never this is now you know 20 some odd years ago but something i'd never done before i was very shy i was a little bit nervous about it you know my husband was head of the united way board in the community where we lived and you know i was a psychologist but so i went to visit a medium and um she validated many of the things that I was experiencing. Um, and she said, your colleague that has passed is going to support you and, and you know, almost like be one of your guides, and he's going to show up in your life as a raven. And, you know, this is, uh-huh. this is ancient, I- indigenous, shamanic wisdom that animals have certain energies and healing energy and what might be called animal medicine And Mm -hmm. sure enough, Raven started showing up in my life in all kinds of ways, including um, one morning I was going to lead an all-day workshop on spirituality at my house and um, that morning one of the participants called early in the morning. And she said, Linda, this is going to be a weird request. She knew nothing at that point about my connection with ravens. And she said, you know, I live kind of in the woods, and there's a wounded raven that ended up on my porch this morning. And I <laughs> I put the raven in a cat cage, and I'm feeding the raven. I don't want to leave it alone all day, and I, I promise, you know, if, if you'll let me bring it to the workshop today, I'll put it over in the corner. I, you know, I'll make sure it doesn't make noise, and if it does, I'll take the raven out. And she said, "But, but would you mind if I brought the raven?" And I just chuckled into myself and said, "Yes, please, you can bring the raven."
1: <laughs> wow, that's that's funny. Can you summarize some of the more important points of what you've learned in your work on Between Lives Soul Regression? Good question and
0: big question. Um Well, one point that pops in my mind first, Tracy, is um, you know a lot of times people, many, many times people will say, Linda, I, I came for the regression or I also do spiritual, what I call soul-based counseling uh, that I call spiritual mentoring. Um, clients will say, I want to know what is the overriding purpose of my current life and I say to them, well let's talk about what where your passions lie. You know, what in life are you passionate about? And it doesn't you know, you know sadly we live in such a left-brained intellectual culture that we we think well life purpose has to be a type of work um or something like that. And life purpose can be anything from being the most committed mother um to being um i 've actually been paying attention to a, a very interesting woman who was once the uh, she was a two term prime minister of New Zealand and now she 's the third in charge at the United Nations. Her name is Helen Clark and she is a humanitarian from A to z i 'm just totally fascinated with what she does and how she spends her life that 's her passion but someone else's passion might be like i say being a committed neighbor being um you know a committed worker at any level um it doesn't matter what matters is what are you passionate about you know even for you Tracy doing this this radio show you you, you wouldn't do it if you weren't passionate about the types of um topics and, and focus of guests on your show, so people need to dive in and think about what am I the most passionate
1: about well this what you're talking about about passion, do you think that goes back to kind of my reason for creating this show, which is to support unconventional the unconventional and unusual journey, unconventional thinking unconventional answers? Uh, totally, totally, to, to to support people as, you know, as
0: you say in the beginning of your show, um, those kind of out-of-the-box thinkers, because out-of-the-box thinkers are, you know, is where change occurs. I always use the example, um, often when I'm speaking, um, of Steve Jobs. And, you know, not that anybody, including Steve Jobs, had a, a perfect life. But to be what, and I'm not kind of waxing, you know, religion or Bible teaching with this next statement, but, you know, to wax into the notion of, of, of Moses' figures, of, you know, those people that are willing to take risks and sort of push the envelope, whether it's their own work or supporting and bringing forward the work of others yes it's, I think it's it's part of your passion to support um you know unconventional um teachings and and thinking and artwork and you know anything that's out of the box
1: well i I sometimes say that everyone says they like out of the box thinking until they meet someone who actually thinks out of the box. <laughs>
0: Well, and a lot of people will, you know, always prefer for someone else to be the -the out-of-the-box type. And we're not all Moses types. We're not, you know, each of us has a particular orientation of our personalities. Some of us are those, you know, sort of vanguard, forward-thinking, you know, break-new-trails kind of people. And then others of us are the support people. We have to have both. So everybody isn't supposed to be a vanguard. Some are supposed to be the behind the scenes support types that allow others to be the vanguard.
1: Well, to go back to your work, what are the major challenges you faced in your work thus far? And what are the rewards?
0: Yeah, rewards are easy. Let me think about challenges for a second. Um I suppose uh the major challenge um for me has been um trusting what I believe in and not worrying about, you know, others that don't resonate um with what I do, what I teach, what I believe in is being willing to speak up um you know to to give talks and 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 speak at conferences and and that sort of thing and know that what i'm focused on Will resonate for some and not for others. And um, I mean, I have to say, I think there's there can be a real benefit of you know not being 25 or 35, you know, any longer. It's like I used to love the book. Um, when I grow old, I shall wear purple, meaning you know, when I grow old, I can wear what I want and, and dress in my own way, and I'm not going to worry about it. Um, the rewards, honestly, are huge. I really, I really believe that, and probably, I think I'd say the two biggest rewards. One is that I I get to talk about and teach about and write about what I'm passionate about, what I so love and find fascinating, and that's truly um, a reward. I I feel that I get up every day feeling like there's something you know about my life in my life that's purposeful um but a more a more personal uh, a deeper reward for me um is that and and I'm being totally candid with with all of this um i've been i've been married for more than forty eight years um I was married at a very young age um i but i wasn't sixteen when i was married and um my husband and I now work Together and essentially work together, as you know, Tracy. Earl runs our business. He is the coordinator of our business. He's been an administrator basically almost all his working life, even though he was a university teacher as well. But he's a fabulous administrator, and we're a team. Um, And I love working in partnership um, with my life partner. And, um, you know, the other aspects of my life that just matter to me so very much and I truly mean this is that not only, you know, do I love the teamwork with my husband Earl but um you know we have two lovely children who have two lovely spouses and grandchildren and as busy as we are traveling about half the time for our work um we just always make sure that we um have time with our ch- children and grandchildren because um, you know, that's the, <laughs> the, the those are the the gummy bears in life. Those are the mm-hmm. the pieces that co- that come back in, you know. So, uh we'll go to uh the 10th birthday party of our grandson on Saturday and go hang out with a whole bunch of 10-year-olds and <laughs> enjoy yeah.
1: doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's right. I think family's really the heart of life. Um if especially if you're lucky enough to have you know, good marriage or working marriage that has ups and downs. But tell me, what, what do you say to skeptics? Like, do you go to a dinner party and there's somebody who's there who's like, I do not believe in past lives, that's nonsense. What do you say to them?
0: Well, you know, I'll dive in and just tie this to what I was saying, you know. So there's probably listeners who are saying, well, i don't have a good romantic relationship and you know i'm i'm divorced or i can't find um anyone or i'm in the middle of a just a very complicated relationship um and and so i say to people sometimes in order to work through our karma we have to experience um one or maybe more than one not-so-useful relationships before we get to um, a romantic involvement, which is really much more dharmic than karmic. And along with that, some of us did not, believe it or not, for, for listeners, some of us did not write into our script, and our guides supported it. We did not write into our script for this life to have a long-standing Um, comfortable, romantic partnership. Some of us didn't script this life to have a life partner. So that's just one piece. Um, There are a lot of people that are skeptical. I I was very skeptical in the beginning. I don't feel like, um, I don't try to convince anyone. Um, There are lots of people that I don't talk in detail to them about what I do. Um, But for people who are skeptical but curious, I would say a couple of things. I'd say, one, read my first book and see what you think, um, Bringing Your Soul to Light. The other is, I'd say, look for signs in your life of past lives. And signs in your life of past lives are going to be relationships that either absolutely work beautifully or don't work at all, Er, eras of time in history that have always fascinated you that you've studied from A to Z, um, people in history that you've studied, parts of the world that fascinate you, parts of the world where perhaps you've traveled to and you either love it or you absolutely can't wait to get out of there, Um Types of work you've always wanted to do, but you thought you couldn't make a living at it, so you pushed it aside. And now you're 55 years old, or whatever, and now you've decided you're going to take, you know, painting lessons. Um, I, I would, I would
1: say, explore and see what you think. That's cool. That's amazing. And what have you found to be some of the best tools to help you on this journey? To trust, it, you
0: know, it's great. As you ask questions, it's funny how just things just pop in my mind. And I'm convinced, as I sit here, that my guides are assisting assisting me. So um, two things. One, we all have spiritual guidance. We have guardian angels, spiritual guides. Whether you recognize that you have them or not, um, I, I've never had a client who didn't have some type of guidance that shows up in a regression. Um I, I would also say that the direction our life is meant to go as long as we're taking action and not sitting back and thinking life will come to us. We have to take action and reach out and go forward um to make change in our own life and not just sit and wish and hope and wish and hope, but events in our life will show us um where we're meant to go, what, what is meant to work, what's not meant to work. And so I believe that everything that happens in life serves, serves a positive, not a, serves a benevolent purpose, not a malevolent purpose. So pay attention, um, everyone who's listening, pay attention to your life and see what experiences and possibilities and people um, just show up in your life.
1: That's cool, so it's about having i don't know an openness and a curiosity and a spaciousness about your own life
0: completely, completely. That's a good way to put it.
1: Well, we've got about five minutes left, so would you tell us about your upcoming events, your workshops, your trainings, the Ravenheart Center okay, um well, if the
0: easiest way for people to find out um, where I, I'm going to be is to go to um, our website, ravenheartcenter.com, and there's a calendar on there. Um, I train people in how to guide past life regression and how to guide between lives regression. People take the training sometimes to use it with clients and sometimes just to broaden themselves spiritually. And the trainings, um, past life regression can be taken in Colorado and or can also be taken through a conference calling, um, what we call teleconference mode. Uh, between lives regression training has to be taken face-to-face uh, because we do all the practice sessions together. So people can um, go on my website and find um, training schedule and then i'm just thinking upcoming upcoming months and um i'm going to be presenting at a conference in may which is a wonderful conference i was there last year in st louis in may it is called the afterlife awareness conference Ooh. and the woman that yeah the woman that produces it is very progressive and brings some fascinating speakers and programs um so i'll be in st louis um I will have to stop and you know kind of try to keep track of, of where I'm going to be. I'll be in Seattle in January. Um, I'm actually going to be working in Hawaii in uh, late December, early January. So I'll be in a whole variety of places. People might want to um, go to ravenheartcenter.com and sign on to our newsletter that just comes out by email once or twice a month. There's always spiritual information, new things that I'm uncovering, and my calendar is there so uh people can find me that way and that's probably the easiest way that's
1: cool thank you for giving us and is there a fun fact that people might not know about you a fun fact boy good
0: question hmm a fun fact <laughs> that's funny well okay so yeah here's what pops in my mind um and this might help people think about their past lives Um, I've had the great, um, benefit of being able to travel a lot in this lifetime and years and years and years ago, um, I, uh, Earl and I started traveling actually tied to his work. We've been to France many, many times. It's one of my favorite countries. And then I began to discover I've had many lives in, in France and, um, it's maybe a silly fun fact um that popped in my mind here but um i've discovered that even though i took french oh my goodness 40 <laughs> 50 years ago when i arrive in france suddenly words will come into my mind french words um that i never even realized i remembered and so a lot of people will discover that happens and it's because if you go to a country where you've lived before at the level of your soul knowledge you know the language um so i'm very much a you know um a, a francophile who uh loves to travel to france we were there for a week this summer studying a past life that i had uncovered of mine um that happened in france and uh i love being there yeah that's cool favorite favorite place
1: i i i'm working on a novel set during the cathar um genocide of the Cathars because I was a Cathar and I have through my life had memories about being burned by the Holy Roman Inquisition. So um I have some karma in France also. I I have studied
0: that area, I've been to that area in France and studied the Cathars. So that must be a connection, Tracy, between you and me. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was
1: not a fun that was not a fun end to what was otherwise no. I think good life and i want to thank you so much for being on the show you've been amazing and wonderful and i would like to encourage listeners to go to rave to go to ravenheartcenter.com to learn more about you and your work
0: thank you tracy it's been a thrill to be with you and uh hope to stay in touch with you thank you so much
1: you certainly well thanks linda take care all right you too bye-bye bye so to everyone who's listening, that was an amazing conversation with Dr. Linda Bachman, who does Between Lives, Soul Regressions, and Spiritual Mentoring. And her website is www.ravenheartcenter. And to everyone who's listening, thanks so much for joining us. Please come back next week on our regular time Thursday at 1 as champion Agi Topic talks about his journey from war-torn Serbia to being a world Mai Thai fighting champion. Take care. This has been Tracy L. Flatten on the Independent Artists and Thinkers Network. Thanks for joining us. Come back next week.